Welcome to Women's Health Made Podcast with me, Marina Bennett. Today's guest is Goldie Sayers. Goldie is an Olympian, 11 times national javelin champion, British record holder, businesswoman, motivational speaker, and now also a new mum. In 2008, Goldie took part in Summer Olympics in Beijing and nearly missed out on a medal. However, she did eventually receive her bronze medal in 2019, 11 years later. How? We talk about that in the interview. We also discuss her Olympic sliding doors, life after the big sport, and how Olympians keep in their physical condition. Please welcome Goldie Sayers. Goldie, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's a very rainy day in Devon, but I'm good, thanks. Uh, well, first of all, a massive congratulations on uh, arrival of your wonderful, wonderful baby. Yeah. Um, how uh, has your life changed in those three months? Have you seen the effects it's had on you already? Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's quite a change. Although I always think lockdown kind of helped almost having a baby because it's you're kind of on a bit of a go slow in some ways, but it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing seeing this little person grow but I do think it's the one job in the world where you should get interviewed for it when we were came home from the hospital we were like how how is it that anyone kind of is allowed to do this or not anyone but um yeah it's such a sort of responsibility but an amazing new chapter I guess well best of luck I know you will enjoy every second of it now I'll have a f- uh, I'll have a few parenting questions but well I'll come to that later <laughs> um so if we um start uh, with um, now it's been a few years sh- since you uh, retired as, pro- as professional athlete yeah. and now looking back and reflecting would you say sport uh, was a defining force or defining aspect of your life yeah I think it's uh, on reflection what you learn through doing competitive sport and especially competing at the sort of top level everything you learn is completely transferable to any other kind of walk of life. And I think for me, certainly the mindset side of things from sport, it's kind of all the intangible things you learn, like, you know, almost just putting days and days together, just consistent hard work, reaps rewards and having kind of goals to to work towards, um, you know, it applies to any area of life and, and the ability to work hard and be dis- disciplined and self-motivated, I think, um, you know, is very, very transferable. And I didn't realise that my level of focus is quite, quite, um, more relatively extreme, I think. Um, but, but on the same, on the same token, it was a huge sort of privilege to have a career in professional sport that lasted quite a long time. Um, so I loved it. I mean, that was the main thing. When you were growing up, did you always know that you want to be an athlete, you want to be an Olympian or not? Yeah, I mean, I think I always wanted to be um, a sports person, but I never thought that that was a career or um, that that was even possible. I mean, you watch, I would watch the Olympics on TV and think, you know, I'd absolutely love to play for my country at sport. And at the time of thinking that I was very much a team sport player and a ball games player. 
but I, I definitely lived for sport. I loved sport. I did music as well from quite a musical family, but it was definitely the thing that kind of brought me alive. And, you know, when I was at school, it was the thing I was kind of most focused on. Um, but it wasn't as if I thought, right, I'm definitely going to be a professional athlete because I actually watched athletics certainly on TV at the Olympics and thought there's absolutely no way on this earth that I will ever compete for Great Britain in athletics. But that was before I was kind of handed a javelin to take home over the school Easter holidays, which wouldn't happen now for health and safety. But yeah. um but yeah, so it was it was it was really just a case of following a following a passion and I was lucky that I had two parents, both of whom did what they loved. So the mantra at home for me was just do what you love or what do whatever makes the only thing I was ever told was do whatever makes you happy which is a lovely <laughs> way to be brought up but that can kind of obviously go two ways if you're not particularly disciplined as well so did sport make you happy yeah no it did absolutely and I think like anything you know if you enjoy doing it um you're gonna work harder at it and get better results as a result of kind of loving what you do really There is quite a big step between just enjoying sport and having fun and becoming an Olympian. What does it take to get yourself to such a high level? Um, kind of a, you do have to be a bit strange, I think. There isn't a, there's a, you have to be a bit odd, I think, or a bit mad, especially with Olympic sport. I think Olympic sport is the one area of sport, you know, ultimately, a lot of people who are very or exceptionally good at something don't ever get to an Olympics because it's, you know, once every four years and anything can happen. Um, I mean, hard work is, you know, paramount, but smart work is, you know, more important. Um, you know, we would train like, you know, six days a week, five or six hours a day. So over the course of the year, it's about, you know, 1700 hours of training. My event was, each throw lasted about four and a half seconds and at an Olympic games you have a qualifying round and if you have mm -hmm. a bad day you can get knocked out after three throws so you can have done about in four years about seven thousand hours of training for a little over kind of 13 and a half seconds so that's where the sort of you know madness comes in and as a if you're looking at that as a business case you know it's completely <laughs> unsustainable and you may have an injury or illness and you know, you really are putting all your eggs in one basket, which is why I think, you know, I quite like an element of risk in s stuff I do because, you know, that is a huge risk to say, right, I'm going to dedicate my life pretty much to this pursuit, which may or may not go as you would like it. So, um, so yeah, it's a huge challenge, but I think that's, you know, if we talk, talk about values, it definitely aligns. When I look back at my career, I love you know, freedom's very high on my agenda, but so is challenge. And I mm -hmm. think that was probably what kept me in it for so long, I guess. So you did make it into an Olympics, uh, an Olympic cycle. Mm. And uh, um, what was it, what was it like to uh, those four seconds at the Olympics? Was it as you were expecting it? Um, yeah, it's funny when people say, what's the Olympics like? You don't really know because <laughs> you're sort of so focused on what you're doing. The funny thing is when you go to Olympics, you have to treat it like any other competition. I know that's kind of strange to say, but ultimately it's the same track, the same people you're competing against. It's just the noise is much bigger and the pressure is greater. Um, but, you know, there's nothing like 
uh, for me, the Olympics was so special because it brings joy to so many people and it's so much bigger mm-hmm. than just yourself. So you're not just competing for yourself, um, you know, in producing, you know, I did have one Olympics where I broke the British record and performed incredibly well. Um, you know, the sense of pride in a good performance, but also competing for your country at an Olympic Games and doing so is, you know, there's not many feelings that sort of really replicate that, I don't think. Were medals important for you? Um, it's interesting. It's sort of, that's what you're gunning for. But, you know, one thing I did learn is, you know, I won an Olympic medal, but it was a retrospective Olympic medal from a kind of Russian doping, in the whole Russian doping kind of saga, I got upgraded. And that was the performance that was a British record in the first round mm-hmm. and the furthest ever thrown in Olympic history by somebody not finishing in the mm. top three. So you kind of, whilst you're sort of vying for medals, for me, it was all about mastery when I look back. And I am competitive, definitely, but winning wasn't my my main goal. Strangely, with the javelin, it's such a challenging event. You're really competing against the event. So as an event group, the, the girls I was competing against, we all get on relatively well because we know that, you know, we are doing a quite a challenging event and one day you can be on fire the next day. You, if you lose your timing slightly, it's, you know, mm-hmm. massive difference in performance. So I think the performance was the thing that I was most kind of obsessed by and just trying to beat my personal best. And if I put a good performance together and concentrate on the process, then medals come with that. So if you focus, I mean, I learned the hard way on numerous occasions. If you really focus on the medals and the positions, then you forget the process and you don't get them. So, so yes, it's a focus and it certainly is a focus in sort of Olympic sport, but it, it's not like I sit at home and kind of massage my medals and look at them all the time. They're just in a box in a drawer. So it's not, it was more the sort of, I guess the, I was much more intrinsically motivated definitely which is why I think I could train for so long and um so it must be just unlucky uh say if you had your personal best and uh a record and then all the three people in front of you had the same thing yeah, on the yeah. same night that's uh that's yeah you, that's the thing you can't um there's no guarantees I suppose in sport and you don't know you can have a great day but other people can have a great day on the same day and, and ironically the conditions were dreadful and for some reason the energy in the stadium that night was kind of electric and there was some good performances everywhere um but the following day it was great conditions and the performances mm-hmm. that day weren't that good so I think people do feed off each other um so yeah it's just you can't you can't control you know the outcome ultimately and You did get your medal, of course, 10 years later. Do you think your life would have been different had you had the medal on the day in Beijing? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it ultimately, yeah, categorically it would have done. Um, I think the, the biggest thing, I think, the most frustrating thing, I think, for me was that, you know, I never knew during my career that I was an Olympic medalist and the confidence that gives you, I think, is... Um, is pretty unique I would imagine um and also then you push a bit harder and then you know mm. I had quite a lot of injuries and surgeries in my career as well 
because I think the sense coming off the track that night was, you know, what more do I need to do? And it, you, mm-hmm. you, you most always think, oh, I've got it, must do more and harder and faster and everything. Um, so yeah, I mean, I know I missed out on a lot of things, sponsorship. I mean, financially, it would have been definitely different. But, you know, again, I sort of reflect back and think, I can still say, you know, I'm an Olympic medalist, which I'm very proud of. But also, um, you know, I had 2012 and actually my probably worst moment was rupturing my elbow three weeks before the London Olympics, which was obviously having a home games Mm -hmm. at the peak of your career was amazing um, timing. But it just, I beat everybody in the world record holder three weeks Mm -hmm. before that Olympics so that was kind of more, actually more galling, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of look back now and think, well, you know, things happen for a reason. I couldn't have done any more in my career. So I think I don't have any regrets because I didn't, you know, I did everything the right way. I worked as hard as I could and, you know, worked with some amazing people. Um, and in a way, if everything had gone, you know, to plan I, I sort of don't want to be somebody who's talking about something I did 20 years ago for the rest of my life, which is right. often what you see a little bit is, is that. I'll ask some other so, questions as well. So um, we'll no, no, not, about, no, no, I don't we'll mind talk talking about, about something else. it now, but it's, um, yeah, it's an interesting, I, I'd love the process and it was mainly what I'm most grateful for in my sporting career was the process The I loved, you know, the training, but mostly the people I worked with, there's some fairly um kind of very you know some really talented driven amazing people I work with in sport that that's probably what I'm most great grateful for I think um and when you did get the medal 10 or 11 years 11 years years later how special was that um it was special in that I could then invite you know 120 sort of friends and family to the London Stadium who wouldn't have been able to be there mm-hmm. in Beijing. So that was nice. I was retired, so it was very strange being awarded an Olympic medal, probably, you know, as untrained as I'd ever been. And um, <laughs> so it was kind of strange, but it was almost, in a way, for me, it was a bit like having a big sort of retirement party. It was, it, I don't think it would be, it was an amazing moment, but it won't ever replace the moment at the time, I think, which is a shame. But, you know, you'd never, That's it's just the moment in time that, I think was the most frustrating thing is that's what you can never get back. But it it made sort of retiring quite, you know, satisfying, I mm-hmm. think. The minute I knew I'd won this medal was being upgraded, it sort of flipped a switch because that's what I was always trying to achieve. Um, so, yeah, I have very happily retired. The best party ever. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was a sense, I guess it's just a sense of achievement, I think, was the main thing. But the medal itself, I still... You know, it's up in my office in a box. I don't really ever get it out or anything or have it up. It's not, it's more the, I guess it's the memory of it. It's not the tangible thing that, Mm -hmm. you know, when you, kids love medals, but as an adult, it's not the thing that you, well, for me anyway, it's not the thing that I'm most obsessed with. It's the sort of sense of achievement that I kind of treasure, I guess. It's it's such a wonderful story. It's a happy uh, the happy ending, but of course it is um, unfortunate that you missed out on the moment being in being in the stadium. But as I said, you had the best retirement party yeah. ever. So that's that, that's uh, that's wonderful. 
how difficult was it after Beijing being so close to the medals and mm. having worked all these years towards mm. it um, after the Olympics to start again in a way to carry on? Um, did you have the slump or fall? How, mm. di how difficult was that and what kept you going? Yeah, I mean, I did actually. It was probably the biggest slump in my career. I think every athlete has a bit of a kind of come down after any Olympics because it's such a big build up and such a big event. And then there's always a bit of a drop off afterwards. But I think it was quite demotivating, mm -hmm. not achieving that, you know, tangible thing, um, which is ironic because I said it wasn't about medals, but it kind of is in terms of performance. Um But I think, so 2009 was a, was a bit of a slump, certainly. And, and as a result of not probably dotting the I's and crossing the T's as much as I had the previous year, I did actually have a stress fracture in my spine, which wasn't ideal. So that year was a bit of a write-off in a way. Um, but I think what kept me going was 2012, actually, was such a kind of, you know, monumental opportunity within my kind of lifespan as an athlete. Um, so that definitely was what, you know, was keeping me going. And also just, you know, knowing that I hadn't reached my potential really. Um, so just, yeah, just trying to, I would, every year I was just trying to get better in every way I could really. And that was the challenge and the thing that kind of kept me going, I guess. And when you had to retire um, because of the injuries and that was the end of the career, uh, how difficult was it then to rebuild yourself, to refocus, uh, because now you have a very successful life post-sport. Yeah, you are entrepreneur, business owner, in, uh, investor, you're coach as well. Yeah. Um, did you start while still being a sports person, an athlete, or was it a rethink and you had to just to to think what you need, what you need to do? Um, yeah, I sort of, I guess... I did, everything I do now, I did start the, the kind of seeds of those different things that I do. I was doing as an athlete, although my main 95% of my time was being an athlete. But in terms of the property business I have now, I, ha I bought a house very, very young and rented rooms to other athletes. And that sort of started my buy-to-let portfolio, I guess. Um, but I didn't do it as aggressively as I do now. Um, and then speaking and um, coaching, I guess I was doing a lot of speakings and speaking in schools and things. And um, that was also alongside um, my sporting career as well. So I hadn't really prepared fully, fully, because I don't think you ever can. But it was interesting when I did retire. Um, the sense of freedom was quite profound because you don't realize when you are an athlete, although you might not be training, your brain or your mind is fully focused on that when you're not training. So I just felt like this whole other area of my brain had opened up and I, rather than being really focused on one thing, I was then able to do a lot of different things. So I, I just spent the first year or two just exploring probably what I didn't want to do more than what I did and what I enjoyed doing. And um, so I think luckily touch wood it was a, an easier transition for me than a lot of athletes who haven't done anything outside of sport I think that's the mistake a lot of people make there 
sort of athlete identity is so strong it would be mm-hmm. the same in any profession actually it's just athletes think they're different um you know if you've been a surgeon all your life and that's your identity then any any career that um is a bit all-consuming when you stop it's a bit of a shock but um I seem to have transitioned relatively quickly and I wouldn't say easily but I haven't found it as challenging as some friends that I know and um, I did a dissertation on athlete transition and interviewed a lot of very high profile athletes and um, and that was quite interesting. So yeah, I think it's um, it was an interesting process, but I did soon realize that what I learned from being a sports person was transferable into anything. Um, but I just realized I needed to run my own business. <laughs> would you would you be able to crystallize um, three or five things of what did you take? from a sporting career into a successful business career? Yeah, I think um, one of the, I think one of the sort of most straightforward things is just every day putting in consistent work whilst having a goal that you're working towards. I think that's probably number one. I think what's not talked about with the sort of sport business crossover is the ability to, Um, be happy with risk I think that's quite Mm -hmm. you know I quite like risk um being quite resilient you know sports and careers you're always going to get injured you're always going to have bad performances but um you know reflecting on those and you know looking at what you could have done better that would be the third thing I think fourthly working with the best people you can possibly find I think Mm -hmm. is another one um so if you're sort of plateauing, one thing I did do quite well in sport was find experts in the areas that I needed to get better in and not just experts, but the best people I could possibly find. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're trying to be the best in the world at something, you sort of need the best in the world to kind of support you or people who've coached athletes to Olympic medals and things. Um, I'm trying to come up with a fifth thing. Um what about uh, what about discipline? I can only imagine, probably I can't yeah. possibly imagine what your routine um, must have been like. Yeah. Are you still as disciplined with your day-to-day routines, with what you do uh, in both business life but also in day-to-day life? I'm quite disciplined. I'm not less... There's more freedom in what I do now. Um, it was quite... There is a level of monotony in being an athlete. I think you do have to find kind of beauty and monotony and I think that's one of the things that again is a bit transferable you still have to do all the basic things really well and consistently I think it's consistency that drives performance for me um but being consistent with the things that take discipline as well mm-hmm. and you know hard things as as well I'm quite I'm quite disciplined in how I start my day um, well I am very disciplined in how I start my day um Um, but I'm, you know, I certainly don't train as much as I used to, but I do, health is quite a priority and I make sure I still eat well, you know, train well. I was about to say sleep well, but that's kind of gone out the window the last few months. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a discipline still. I'm just quite addicted to sort of growth and progress. I think I'm, I think that's the transfer. I just like progress. I like to see progress. Mm -hmm. And the minute I feel like I'm, um, kind of treading water or you know just maintaining I that makes me feel really uncomfortable and a bit depressed probably 
I think staying still is going backwards. Yeah. Well, yeah, I just, yeah. It's the essence of life to keep going and moving. Yeah, yeah. So progress, I think, for me is the, yeah, improvement and progress and growth, I think, are my main. You mentioned... You mentioned health, which is uh, which is very important. Uh, I really need to ask. I'd I'd love to have a glimpse of uh, when you are a professional athlete, when you're an elite Olympic sports woman. Um, it must be hugely demanding physically. So, mm. what do you do to maintain that that level of high performance consistently? Um, and can you share some? tips or tricks perhaps for, for um I think it's like an, uh, I think it's even you know just being high performing in anything it is the basics done well so sleeping you know sleep was hugely important we'd always try and get like 60 or we were tasked with 63 hours sleep a week which is effectively nine hours a night but that was I always found that quite tricky um you know we we were quite focused on nutrition so I ate mm-hmm. very well I mean I've got whole nutrition plans I don't do it to quite the same degree but I just think eating nutrient dense food and you know I certainly had to eat a fair amount um you know obviously there was a the training program which was very specific to quite an anaerobic event so maximal kind of exertion and full recovery so whilst I was an Olympic athlete if you in my career had said go and do a park run I'd have been awful because I wasn't an aerobic athlete there was Mm -hmm. no need for me to be Mm -hmm. aerobically terribly fit but I was very fast powerful explosive um but it's all the things I mean I'd stretched every night for half an hour that was you know there's a lot of flexibility with javelin throwing but just for recovery we'd have you know I'd get two massages a week physio probably every oh yeah I mean I miss I definitely miss that I still do actually get massage I think I actually think if massage was given out on the NHS it would cut the surgery bills in half but um you know I'd get physio or you know um soft tissue stuff done every other day it's but it was a bit like it's such a biomechanical movement you do have to be every joint needs to be working Mm -hmm. in kind of coordination in tandem so there was a lot of things around the training that was still part of or equally important and also rest actually like we have a day off every week I do meet so many people nowadays just at the gym or wherever who train incredibly hard but they never rest and that's where you kind of get your mm-hmm. um you know the big sort of improvements in performance so it's all the things that I think help people in everyday life sleep you know hydration nutrition good sort of training um and then the recovery side of just Mm -hmm. looking after yourself and then also having the ability to unplug as well which I think a lot of people aren't very good at is almost doing something that brings you joy outside that where you can switch off your brain um so you're not thinking about throwing a javelin 24 7 I wasn't brilliant at that I must admit as an athlete but I did do it to a degree um so yeah it's it's kind of not rocket science actually it's just and what have you kept now in your current life um I still stretch actually quite a lot I still have massage but probably once a month or something um I try and eat well I feel terrible if I don't eat well I mean I'm not you know eating exactly in exactly the same way but just try to eat sort of nutrition or nutritionally dense sort of food um are there certain foods which you think contribute to high performance? 
or did contribute in, to you? Um, there was a few years where I really focused on nutrition and I don't think it has the benefit of other things in isolation. I think as long as you're probably 80% on it, which is still quite a lot of meals in a week. I do think, I mean, sugar's probably the worst thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had quite a low sort of, I try to not, you know, eat sugar or certainly not other than the odd bit of fruit, but I just had quite a high protein, low sort of carb diet, actually. Um, yeah, I think there, there isn't one thing that I think sort of is the mm -hmm. magic bullet. Like anything, it's not, there isn't such a thing. But it, I, when I focused on it, it wasn't as groundbreaking as I thought it might be, other than you probably look good, like, but it, that doesn't necessarily mean you're performing at your best but you might be incredibly lean but that's not necessarily I must what... say I'm a bit disappointed if there will be some secret or no there isn't really <laughs> magic pill there's no sort of supplement or anything <laughs> that's um I ever noticed in in I suppose we you know we did take kind of general supplements because you're sort of training quite a lot so you know zinc sort of magnesium that kind of thing or fish oils or something mm -hmm. but because you were taking quite a few different things I could never necessarily say this is the one thing that made the biggest difference and sure. I think there's chemical reactions are different in everybody's body as well but um certainly nutrition or gut health was mm -hmm. definitely and how do you keep fit now I just do um classes actually we've got a sort of small gym based uh, sort of circuit training really I mean it always has new words or like high intensity interval training I'm doing a kind of challenge actually at the weekend called high rocks which is kind of just silly training it's like a fitness competition <laughs> I'm not a running athlete really but I, I signed up yeah I signed up to it because it was not it's not my skill so it's meant I've had to get better mm. at something that I wasn't particularly good at so yeah I just do classes generally in a bit of weightlifting and a bit of yoga and a bit of running a bit I, I just like being a kind of all-round mm -hmm. athlete and not yeah so general training I would say do you have any regrets Colby? do I have any regrets I think in sport the only regret I have was not sitting down after three rounds at the London Diamond League three weeks before the Olympics where I broke the British record knew I'd won the competition and then took one more throw but you know mm. in hindsight I would have sat down and taken my spikes off and I would never have kind of partially tore my elbow ligament but that's hindsight and I very very rarely pulled out of competitions that I was throwing well in and felt great so um that's probably the only regret I think probably learning how to have difficult conversations probably a bit earlier in my career um would have been helpful I think um but otherwise I don't have any regrets in terms of not working hard enough or not putting 100% into my career mentally emotionally physically financially you know I felt like I left it all on the track which I think again is why I could retire quite happy in mm -hmm. a way I I'm really pleased to hear the word happy and content and uh, no regrets quite a few times throughout so that's really wonderful wonderful to hear yeah uh, yeah I'm pleased as well I yeah I think that's a, that's definitely I think a big factor in sort of athlete transition if you feel yeah 
if you don't have any regrets, and I think a lot of people do, um, yeah, it means you can kind of move on to the next chapter a bit more easily, probably. What does success mean to you? Um, success, probably a little bit on the same vein. I, I think success means well, lots of different things, but certainly doing what you love on a daily basis. I mean, I had some quite, you know, fairly easy measures of what I wanted to do after sport, which was do something you love, don't work with dickheads, and <laughs> um, and have a bit of freedom in doing so and trying to surround yourself with people who kind of make you better and challenge you and you learn, I think. Um, uh, yeah, success is probably just being better than I was the day before or the year before. Um, yeah, and having fun doing it. I think a lot of people, I see it in sport, they think, you know, being professional and being a professional athlete means you have to be really serious and everything. When actually, you know, most of your best performances come when you're happy and you're enjoying yourself and you're having fun. It doesn't mean having fun doesn't negate working hard. Like you can still mm -hmm. do both together. Um, Goldie, with your experience in sport and actually after in business as well, uh, did you see that it's, Um, more difficult to be successful if you're a woman than you are a man or is it pretty equal in your opinion I never really I never certainly experienced any um, discrimination or anything being female and actually it wasn't until I retired I realized actually women are treated very differently um, you know in business and other areas of life I think at the track and field is certainly fairly equitable mm -hmm. in terms of prize money and things I think If you were to talk about appearance fees, that might be a different kettle of fish. There's definitely a difference in terms of track and field. So, but that's a female and male kind of issue in that, you know, track athletes do tend to get paid better in a way because um, I don't know why, but they do. Um, but in sport more holistically, it's, I think sport is definitely kind of a microcosm of life and any other industry. It's, you know, female... I mean, if we just look at sort of football or something, they're not paid anywhere near the same. Um, and interestingly, last summer, um, you know, the, the Lionesses certainly in football inspire the nation probably more so than mm -hmm. the men's team. Um, you could argue that the, you know, tickets and everything else and TV money isn't the same. But I think, you know, if you look at where women's sport was 10 years ago, I think there's been an absolutely huge shift. And I think in 10 years' time, I would like to think we'd be in a different place again. Um, but no, I mean, it's absolutely not equal. Um, so it's got a way to go, um, certainly, on that front. But I think there's definitely been shifts. Have you always been confident throughout life? Uh, is it important to be confident to be successful in sport? Yeah, I think, I mean, sport, it's a bit of a chicken and egg, really, because I think you do need a level of confidence to be successful, but then sport breeds a bit of confidence as well. But having said that, you know, I have, you know, teammates of mine, you know, in tears before Olympic finals, so I'd... I think there are a lot of people who aren't as confident. Well, I don't think anyone is as confident as they appear. Um, and it does worry me, actually, this sort of 
youngsters now, I think, when we're talking about mental health and anxiety, I think they think that you should never be anxious, that it's this really awful thing and that I have, is as if they own anxiety, I have anxiety, when actually, if you weren't nervous in certain situations, then you'd be dead probably. Mm -hmm. So it's more how to cope with difficult situations, I think, and being under pressure and nerves and things. And I think that's, sport's a great kind of breeding ground for that, I think, and getting comfortable with uncomfortable kind of emotions and nerves and um any advice you could give about how to cope with stress it's I think it's just like anything practice it's like if you had to give a big presentation if you hadn't practiced you'll be really really nervous if you've practiced mm -hmm. then you can um then you can deliver a much better performance but I think what you learn in sport is that you sort of get up for a performance and then you have to calm yourself back down and then deliver so breathings you know there's certain things you can do physically that can definitely reduce sort of stress like breathing visualization was a huge part of what I did um but I do think practice is the easiest way to feel comfortable in in difficult difficult situations and consistency which you already yeah so it's again it's not it's just um yeah it's kind of all the simple things it's but in terms of confidence I think you get more comfortable confident by doing really um and setting goals and just chipping away at them and mm -hmm. if you're again making progress you'll be by definition more confident than you were say the previous year if you hadn't done x y and z and that's a wrap this was goldie sayers olympian 11 times national javelin champion british record holder businesswoman motivational speaker and now also a new mum. If you did enjoy this episode, don't forget to press the subscribe button and see you next Thursday here on Woman Self-Made.